0: Yes, all aboard. It's the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. And the train is building up ahead of steam. So grab your ticket. It's free. Get on board. This train will be picking up passengers along the way. Taking you on a sports journey. So, enjoy the ride. It's the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Your conductor, Anthony Smith. Hey, what's happening? It's Rick Thomas with Running the Table. And you already know you are on board the A-Train. Hang on for the ride. Welcome to the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast and I definitely want to say welcome in on a Martin Luther King Day and seeing that this is Martin Luther King Day, I am going to actually start my first segment off with little history on the man known as Martin Luther King, the civil rights activist, the man who has done so much. As far as civil rights movements. And let's just say basically he was an advocate of peaceful protest, but also an advocate of racial equality. Not racial separation but racial equality. Not that he wanted any handouts or hand-me-downs, but he wanted the same rights that was afforded to other people. First of all, a little bit before we get into a full scale story on him to start this off, he was the first president of the Southern Christian leadership conference. He was in office January 10, 1957 to April 4th, 1968. Preceded by the position established, he was the first. Succeeded by Ralph Abernathy, his personal details. He was born Michael King, Jr. January 15th, 1929 in Atlanta, Georgia. He died April 4th, 1968 at the age of 39 in Memphis, Tennessee the cause of death assassination gunshot wound resting place Martin Luther King jr. National Historic Park spouse Coretta Scott King 1953 to present till present children Yolanda Martin Dexter Bernice parents Martin Luther King Sr. Alberta Williams King relatives Christine King Ferris, sister; Alfred Daniel Williams King, brother; Alveda King, niece. Education: Morehouse College, BA; Crozer Theological Seminary; Boston University, PhD. Occupation: Baptist minister, activist. Known for civil rights movement, peace movement. Awards: Nobel Peace Prize, nineteen sixty four. Presidential Medal of Freedom, posthumously, 1977. Congressional Gold Medal, posthumously, 2004. Memorials, Martin Luther King Jr. Memorial. And that's just a little briefing. What can we tell you about Dr. Martin Luther King? Martin Luther King Born Michael King Jr., January 15, 1929 to April 4, 1968, was an American Baptist minister and activist who became the most visible spokesperson and leader in the civil rights movement from 1955 until his assassination in 1968. King is best known for advancing civil rights through nonviolence and civil disobedience, inspired by his Christian beliefs and the nonviolent activism of Mahatma Gandhi. He was the son of early civil rights activist Martin Luther King, Sr. King participated in and led marches for blacks, right to vote, desegregation, labor rights, and other basic civil rights. King led the 1955 Montgomery bus boycott and later became the first president of the Southern Christian Leadership Council, Conference. SCLC. As president of the SCLC, he led the the unsuccessful Albany movement in Albany, Georgia, and helped organize some of the nonviolent 1963 protests in Birmingham, Alabama. King helped organize the 1963 march on Washington where he delivered his famous I Have a Dream speech on the steps of of the Lincoln Memorial. The SCLC put into practice the tactics of nonviolent protests with some success by strategically choosing the methods and places in which protests were carried out. There were several dramatic standoffs with segregationist authorities who sometimes turned violent. FBI Director J. Edgar Hoover considered King a radical and made him an object of the FBI's Pro. From 1963 forward, FBI agents investigated him for possible communist ties, recorded recorded his extramarital liaisons and reported on them to government officials. And in 1964, mailed King, a threatening anonymous letter, which he interpreted as an attempt to make him commit suicide. On October 14, 1964, King won the Nobel Peace Prize for Combating Racial Inequality Through Nonviolent Resistance. In 1965, he helped organize two of the three Selma to Montgomery marches. In his final years, he expanded his focus to include opposition towards poverty, capitalism, and the Vietnam War. In 1968, King was planning a national occupation of Washington, D.C. to be called the Poor People's Campaign when he was assassinated on April 4 in Memphis, Tennessee. His death was followed by riots in many U.S. cities. Allegations that James Earl Ray, the man convicted of killing King, had been framed or acted in concert with government agents persisted for decades after the shooting. King was posthumously awarded the presidential Medal of Freedom and the Congressional Gold Medal. Martin Luther King Jr. Day was established as a holiday in cities and states throughout the United States beginning in 1971. The holiday was enacted at the federal level by legislation signed by President Ronald Reagan in 1986. Hundreds of streets in the U.S. have been renamed in his honor, and the most populous county in Washington State was rededicated for him. The Martin Luther King Jr. Memorial on the National Mall in Washington, D.C. was dedicated in 2011. Early life and education, his birth. King was born Michael King Jr. on January 15, 1929 in Atlanta, Georgia, the second of three children to the Reverend Michael King Sr. and Alberta King, Nee Williams. King's mother named him Michael, which was entered onto the birth certificate by the attending physician. King's older sister is Christine King Ferris, and his younger brother was Alfred Daniel A.D. King. King's maternal grandfather, Adam Daniel Williams, who was a minister in rural Georgia, moved to Atlanta in 1893 and became pastor of the Ebenezer Baptist Church in the following year. Williams was of African-Irish descent. Williams married Jenny Celeste Parks, who gave birth to King's mother, Alberta. King's father was born to sharecroppers, James Albert and Delia King of Stockbridge, Georgia. In his adolescent years, King Sr. left his parents' farm and walked to Atlanta where he attained a high school education. King Sr. then enrolled in Morehouse College and studied to enter the ministry. King Sr. and Alberta began dating in 1920 and married on November 1925, 1926. Until Jenny's death in 1941, they lived together on the second floor of her parents' two-story Victorian house where King was born. Shortly after marrying Alberta, King Sr. became assistant pastor of the Ebenezer Baptist Church. Adam Daniel Williams died of a stroke in the spring of 1931. That fall, King's father took over the role of pastor at the church, where he would in time raise the attendance from 600 to several thousand. In 1934, the church sent King Sr. on a multinational trip to Rome, Tunisia, Egypt, Jerusalem, Bethlehem, then Berlin for the meeting of the Baptist World Alliance, BWA. The trip ended with visits to sites in Berlin associated with the Reformation with the Reformation leader, Martin Luther. While there, Michael King Sr. witnessed the rise of Nazism. In reaction, the BWA conference issued a resolution which stated, this Congress deplores and condemns as a violation of the law of God, the Heavenly Father, all racial animosity and every form of oppression or unfair discrimination toward the Jews, toward colored people or toward subject races in any part of the world. He returned home in August 1934 and in that same year, began referring to himself as Martin Luther King, Sr. And his son is Martin Luther King, Jr., King's birth certificate was altered to read Martin Luther King Jr. on July 23, 1957, when he was 28 years old. At his childhood home, King and his two siblings would read about read aloud the Bible as instructed by their father. After dinners there, King's grandmother, Jenny, who he affectionately referred to as Mama, would tell lively stories from the Bible to her grandchildren. King's father would regularly use whippings to discipline his children. At times, King Sr. would also have his children whip each other. King's father later remarked, King was the most peculiar child whenever you whipped him. He'd stand there and the tears would run down and he'd never cry. Once, when King witnessed his brother, A.D., emotionally upset upset his sister, Christine, he took a telephone and knocked out A.D. with it. When he and his brother were playing at their home, A.D. slid from a banister and hit into their grandmother, Jenny, causing her to fall down unresponsive. King, believing her dead, blamed himself and attempted suicide by jumping from a second-story window. Upon hearing that his grandmother was alive, King rose and left the ground where he had fallen. King became friends with a white boy whose father owned a business across the street from his family's home. In September 1935, when the boys were about six years old, they started school. King had to attend a school for black children, Young Street Elementary School, while his close playmate went to a separate school for white children only. Soon afterwards, the parents of the white boy stopped allowing King to play with their son, stating to him, we are white and you are colored. When King relayed the happenings to his parents, they had a long discussion with him about the history of slavery and racism in America. Upon learning of the hatred, violence, and oppression that black people had faced in the U.S., King would later state that, he was determined to hate to hate every white person his parents instructed him that it was his christian duty to love everyone king witnessed his father stand up against segregation and various forms of discrimination once when stopped by a police officer who referred to king senior as boy king's father responded sharply that king was a boy but he was a man when king's father took him into a shoe store in downtown Atlanta. The clerk told him they needed to sit in the back. King's father refused, stating, We'll either buy shoes sitting here or we won't buy any shoes at all, before taking King and leaving the store. He told King afterwards, I don't care how long I have to live with this system, I will never accept it. In nineteen sixty three, King's father led hundreds of African Americans in a civil rights march to the city hall in Atlanta to protest voting rights discrimination. King later remarked that King Sr. was a real father to him. King memorized and sang hymns and stated verses from the Bible by the time he was five years old. Over the next year, he began to go to church events with his mother and sang hymns while she played the piano. His favorite hymn to sing was, I want to be more and more like Jesus. He moved attendees with his singing. King later became a member of the junior choir in his church. King enjoyed opera and played the piano. As he grew up, King garnered a large vocabulary from reading dictionaries and constantly used used his expanding lexicon. He got into physical altercation with boys in his neighborhood but oftentimes used his knowledge of words to stymie fights. King showed a lack of interest in grammar and spelling, a trait which he carried throughout his life. In 1939, King sang as a member of his church choir in slave costume for the all-white audience at the Atlanta premiere of the film Gone with the Wind. In September 1940, at the age of 12, King was enrolled at Atlanta University Laboratory School for the seventh grade. While there, King took violin and piano lessons and showed keen interest in his history and English classes. On May 18, 1941, when King had snuck away from studying at home to watch a parade, King was informed that something had happened to his maternal grandmother. Upon returning home, he found out she had suffered a heart attack and died while being transported to a hospital. He took the death very hard and believed that His deception of going to see the parade may have been responsible for God taking her. King jumped out of a second-story window at his home, but again survived an attempt to kill himself. His father instructed him in his bedroom that King shouldn't blame himself for her death and that she had been called home to God as part of God's plan, which could not be changed. King struggled with this and could not fully believe that his parents knew where his grandmother had gone. Shortly thereafter, King's father decided to move the family to a two-story brick home on a hill that overlooked downtown Atlanta. So that's just part of it. And what I'm going to do is I will be bringing you more tidbits of this throughout the week. What I'm going to do today, and I know we had a lot of football action over the weekend, NFL playoffs. I'm going to table that for tomorrow's podcast. What I am going to do, I'm going to go ahead and take a break right here. Like I said, I will conclude the rest of this story tomorrow because there's so much more to get to on this. But what I'm going to do when I come back I am going to take a look at some black history sports. So stay tuned to the A-Train Sports Talk podcast. I will be back after these messages. Anthony Smith here with A-Train Sports Talk Podcast, your conductor. Just want to let you know that this podcast is listener supported. That's right, driven by you, the listener, who wants to support. So click on that support button down there. You have three options, $0.99 a month, $4.99 a month, or $9.99 a month will get your ad rent on this podcast. So click the support button. Your support will be greatly appreciated. Once again, Anthony Smith with the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Want to enhance your workout? Try the workout bands everyone is talking about. Three different resistance levels. Light, medium, and heavy. Only at www.cakeybums.com That's www.cakeybums.com www.cakeybums.com To enhance your workout, with the resistance bands that everyone is talking about. Hey, what's happening? It's Rick Thomas with Running the Table, and you already know you are on board the A Train. Hang on for the ride. Welcome back to my next segment, and as promised, going to look at some black athletes that have made their mark in sports. And this list is very impressive because basically we're looking at baseball right now. So first we start with Jackie Robinson. Jackie Robinson broke the Major League Baseball color barrier in 1947 as a second baseman for the Brooklyn Dodgers. He was also the first black MVP winning the award in 1949 and the first African-American Hall of Famer inducted in 1962. His number is now retired throughout Major League Baseball. Larry Doby Baseball. Shortly after Jackie Robinson, Dobie was signed by the Cleveland Indians in 1947. As the first black player in the American League, he was a seven-time All-Star. Don Newcomb. Newcomb was the first black baseball player to win the Cy Young, winning the award, its first year in 1956. He was named the MVP the same season. Willie Mays. Mays was the first black player to win the Gold Glove Award, taking his first of 12 consecutive in 1957. Buck O'Neill. A former star of the Negro American League, O'Neill became Major League Baseball's first black coach in 1962 for the Chicago Cubs. Austin Howard. Howard, a catcher for the Yankees, batted .287 with 28 home runs and 85 RBIs in 1963 and won the American League MVP that leagues first for a black baseball player. Satchel Paige. Paige was the first black pitcher to be enshrined in the Baseball Hall of Fame in 1971. At his acceptance, he said that in the Negro Leagues, there were many Satchels and many Joshes, referring to Josh Gibson. Frank Robinson. On April 8, 1974. Frank Robinson managed his first game with the Indians, becoming the first black major league manager. Bob Watson. Watson, the Yankees general manager, in 1996, became the first black GM 20 World Series. George Polk, track and field. In the 1904 Olympic Games in St. Louis, Pogue became the first black athlete to participate in the Olympics and the first to medal. He won bronze in the four 40-meter hurdles. John Baxter Taylor, track and field. Taylor became the first black athlete to represent the United States in the Olympics in in the 1908 London Games. During the same games, he became the first black athlete to win a gold medal at the Olympics as a member of the 1,600-meter medley relay team. He Hart Hubbard, track and field. In the 1924 Olympic Games in Paris, Hubbard became the first black American athlete to win an individual gold medal. He took first in the long jump. vanetta flowers bobsledding flowers first african-american 20 gold medal in the winter olympics she won it in bobsledding at the 2002 olympic games in salt lake city channy davis speed skating 2006 davis won gold at the olympics in the 1000 meter speed skating event he was the first black athlete for team usa to win an individual gold in the winter olympics davis defended his title in 2010 earl lloyd chuck cooper and nat clifton basketball together cooper clifton and lloyd broke the nba's color line Cooper was the first black player drafted taken by Boston. Clifton was the first to sign an NBA contract with the Knicks. And Lloyd was the first to appear in a game with the Capitals. Wayne Embry Basketball. Embry became the first black NBA general manager in 1972 with the Milwaukee Bucks. Bill Russell Basketball. Russell was the first black coach in the nba in 1966 and the first black coach to win an nba title in 1968 later in 1975 he was the first black basketball player inducted into the basketball hall of fame robert l johnson basketball in 2003 The creator of black entertainment television paid $300 million for majority ownership of the Charlotte Bobcats, making him the first black majority owner of a professional sports team. Joe Dumars basketball. Dumars became the first black general manager in the NBA to win a championship with the Pistons in 2004. He was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2006. Will Robinson, college basketball. In 1970, Robinson became the first black coach at a Division I school when he was hired by the Illinois State University men's basketball team. Texas Western College Basketball. In 1966, Don Haskins' Texas Western men's basketball team was the first all black starting lineup in the national championship game. The minors beat Kentucky, 72-65. Jack Johnson Boxing. Charleston Giant knocked out Tommy Burns in 1908 to become the first black heavyweight champ. He lost the title in 1915 in the 26th round of a 45-round fight. Johnson finished his career 79-8, 46 wins by knockout. Charlie Sifford, golf. Sifford became the first black player to earn a PGA Tour card in 1961. He won the 1967 Greater Hartford Open Invitational, the first tour event won by a black golfer. Lee Elder, golf in 1975. Elder became the first black golfer to play in the Masters. He missed the cut, but went on to win four times on the PGA Tour and eight times on the Champions Tour. Tiger Woods Golf. Woods was the first black golfer to take home the U.S. Amateur in 1994, then became the first black major golf champion, winning the 1997 Masters. Althea Gibson Tennis. In 1956, Gibson became the first black tennis player to win a Grand Slam taking the doubles title at Wimbledon. Arthur Ashe Tennis. Ashe became the first black man to win a Grand Slam event, winning the U.S. Open in 1968. In 1975, he became the first black man to win Wimbledon. Fritz Pollard Football. Pollard. And bobby marshall were the first two black players to play in the nfl in 1920 pollard with the akron pros and marshall with the rock island Independents. a year later pollard became co-head coach of the pros the first black coach in league history will thor football on october 18 1953 thor became the first black quarterback to appear in an NFL game. Bears coach George Hallis replaced George Blander with him midway through a game. Thor appeared in one more game in his NFL career. Marlon Briscoe, football. Briscoe was the first black quarterback to start a game in the modern era for the Denver Broncos in 1968. He was converted to receiver with the Buffalo Bills the next season and became a pro bowler. Franco Harris football. Harris rushed for 158 yards and a touchdown at Super Bowl IX in 1975 and was the first black player to be named the game's MVP. Doug Williams football. With the Redskins in 1988, Williams became the first black quarterback to both start in and win a Super Bowl. Art Shell. Shell became the first black NFL head coach in the modern era when he was hired by the Los Angeles Raiders in 1989. Ozzie Newsom. Newsom became the first black general manager in the NFL with the Baltimore Ravens in 2002. Tony Dungy and Lovey Smith. Dungy and Smith were the first black coaches to reach the Super Bowl in 2007. The Colts beat the Bears, making Dungy the first black coach to win the Super Bowl. Jerry Reese football the general manager of the New York Giants from 2007 to 2017, became the first black general manager to win the Super Bowl when the Giants beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl in 2008. Duke Slater, college football. In 1951, it's the inaugural year, Slater was the first black player inducted to the College Football Hall of Fame. He played tackle for Iowa from 1918 to 1921. Ernie Davis, college football. Davis, a Syracuse running back, was the first black player to win the Heisman Trophy in 1961. He was drafted into the NFL, but was diagnosed with leukemia and died at 23. This one right here, it really tugs at my heart because I actually had the opportunity to see this man live on the sidelines, coaching. Willie Jeffries, college football. Jeffries was the first black coach in Division I-A college football when he took over at Wichita State University in 1979. In 2002, he was presented the Lifetime Achievement Award in Indianapolis at the black coaches association convention awards banquet and what i'm going to do because there's a lot more i can get to i'm gonna give you this last one then i'm gonna get back to willie jeffries because there's a lot to know about that man there's a lot to know about all of the ones i've read off but i'm gonna give you this one real quick willie oree hockey 1958 Willie O'Ree made his debut with the Bruins as the first black player in the NHL. Here's one. Ron Simmons. Wrestling. A former NFL player, Simmons started wrestling in 1989 and in 1992 became the first black WCW World Heavyweight Champion. He later wrestled in ECW, WWF, and wb promotions so now what i want to do i want to go back and elaborate more on willie jeffries because he brought a an exciting brand of football to Wichita State and eventually build it up to where they had a, I think a couple of winning seasons up under him. And as you heard, he was the first black coach in division one, a when he was hired by Wichita State in 1979. So who is Willie Jeffries? Well, Willie E. Jeffries is a former American football player and coach. He served as the head coach, as the head football coach at South Carolina State University for 19 seasons in two stints, five seasons at Wichita State University and five seasons at Howard University. Jeffries was the first African-American head coach of an NCAA Division IA Football program at a predominantly white institution. So let's just take a look at Willie Jeffries. Born January 4, 1937, he's a former American football player and coach served as a head coach at south carolina state university for 19 seasons and two stints five seasons at wichita state university and five seasons at Howard university jeffries was the first african-american head coach of an ncaa division I football program at a predominantly white college when he coached wichita state he was elected to the college football hall of fame in 2010. jeffries grew up in south carolina where he attended segregated school He started his coaching career in 1960 as an assistant at Bar Street High School in Lancaster, South Carolina. He was given his first head coaching job at Gaffney, South Carolina, where he went 64-8-2 in seven seasons. Jeffrey's records during his two stints with the South Carolina State Bulldog football team 1973-1978 to and 1989-2001 to includes three Black College Football National Championships, 1976, 1977, 1994, seven Mideastern Athletic Conference Championships, several postseason appearances, and numerous coaching awards. Players that Jeffries coached at South Carolina State included College Football Hall of Famers Harry Carson and Donnie Shell, as well as Robert Portia, Orlando Brown Sr., Chattrick Darby, Dexter Klinkscale, and Anthony Cook. In 2010, Jeffries was named Head Football Coach Emeritus by the South Carolina State University Board of Trustees. With the new role, Jeffries will also serve as a liaison between the university, its alumni, and other constituents and also help market the university. University President Dr. George Cooper said, of the elevation to Coach Emeritus. Coach Jeffries and his wide appeal to so many of our shareholders and other constituents provide us a great opportunity to brand and market the university. He can help us frame relationships that will increase support for athletics. South Carolina State University Athletic Director, Charlene Johnson added, Coach Jeffries is truly admired by so many not just for his achievements in athletics, but also for his humanitarian contributions to this community, this state and society. He has used football and his great personal skills to bring about better community relations in Orangeburg, the Palmetto State and beyond. And I think it's very fitting that the university has bestowed this honor upon him. Wichita State. When Jeffries took over Wichita State in 1979, he became the first African-American head coach for a Division I-A football program at a predominantly white school. He is the only man to coach against both Eddie Robinson of Gramley State University and Bear Bryant of Alabama. Jeffries was the 32nd head football coach at Wichita State, and he held that position for five seasons from 1979 to 1983. His 1982 team's record of 8-3 and three proved to be the last winning season in Wichita State history as the program was discontinued after the 1986 season. His overall coaching record at Wichita State was 21, 32, and 2. This ranks him third at Wichita State in terms of total wins and 21st at Wichita State in terms of winning percentage. During his time at Wichita State, Jeffrey's teams was Jeffries' teams were censored by the NCAA for repeated rules violations, including improper recruitment and unethical conduct by the coaching staff. This led to the team being placed on probation for the 1983-84 seasons, which prevented them from appearing on live TV, docked them five scholarships per season, and banned them from postseason participation. Due in part to the probation, Wichita State discontinued their football program following the 1986 season. Players whom Jeffries coached at Wichita State include Anthony Jones, Jumpy Gathers, who had a long career in the NFL, and Prince McJunkins. Howard University. Jeffries coached Howard University from 1984 to 1988. He led the Howard Bison football team to win the Mideastern Athletic Conference in 1987. However. This title was forfeited along with all victories for the season when it was learned that Jeffries had used up to 30 ineligible players on this team. His coaching record at Howard was 21 and 32. The Bison players who played under Jeffries who went on to the NFL was tight end Jimmy Johnson, Harvey Reed, Troy Kyles, Derek Faison, David Westbrook, Sean Van Horse, Brian Taltone, gary willingham john javis james moses and tim watson award and honors on may 5th 1988 the governor of south carolina carol campbell presented jeffries with the order of the palmetto this is the highest civilian honor in the state of carolina south carolina and is awarded to those citizens who make achievements of statewide impact Jeffries was awarded the companion honor of the Order of the Silver Crescent by Governor Jim Hodges on October 13, 2001. This is awarded to those who make community or professional accomplishments of local significance. On June 20, 2009, Jeffries was inducted into the Wichita Sports Hall of Fame for his color barrier breaking run as head coach of Wichita State. Jeffries was inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame in the enshrinement ceremonies in South Bend, Indiana, on July 16, 17, 2010. The South Carolina State Board of Trustees voted to name the football field in Oliver C. Dawson Stadium after Jeffries. Willie E. Jeffries Field was unveiled during halftime of the November 5, 2010, Howard the South Carolina State football game. The halftime festivities included an NFF Hall of Fame on campus salute sponsored by the National Football Foundation and College Hall of Fame. NFF representative Hillary Jeffries, no relation, presented Coach Jeffries with the plaque as part of Willie Jeffries Day in Orangeburg, South Carolina. So with all that being said, I want to thank you for tuning in to this edition of the A-Train Sports Talk podcast, which I will call this my Martin Luther King edition. And I hope you find out some new information on black history sports. Uh, names you probably have forgotten about as you listen to some of these names that were rattled off tonight. And I hope you find this very informative and educational. And just as a programming note. There is more to come. One of the things I said I was going to do when I first started my podcast, even when I had it under a different name, is I was going to be heavy on black history sports, which I really haven't been. Shame on me for making that disclaimer and not falling through. But I will try to at least, if not every time I do a segment, at least once a week on my segments, there will be some history on black history sports because it's history that does not need to be forgotten. And it's history that has gotten some of us to where we are today on the sports scene. It is some of those black athletes that had to endure so much is the reason that some of the black athletes of today have the liberties and the platforms that they have today. So we don't never want to forget the past. So thank you for tuning in to this episode of the A-Train Sports Talk podcast. And I will be back this week with some more so until next time take care of yourself and each other just a train sports talk podcast i am signing off